We're going to continue our systematic study through the the book of Matthew. Last week we finished chapter 12, and so today we're going to begin chapter 13 and see really a major transition in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Also, uh, at the end of our study time together this morning, we're going to set aside some time to participate in communion. Uh, As many of you know... um, We've set aside the the first Sunday of every month as a a time to uh, participate in communion and observe communion. And so uh, looking forward to our time uh, at the end of service as well for that. Okay? All right. Matthew chapter 13. I want to invite you all to stand as we read uh, this morning's portion of Scripture. My plan uh, is to get to verse 23 today, but uh, to start off, we'll just read verses 1 through 9 to kind of get us rolling and get uh, an idea uh, of what the Lord has for us. And so, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, starts off in verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this morning and uh, again, just the privilege that it is to gather together uh, to worship you, to uh, grow in our walk with you and our relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that as we just uh, spend time in your word, that you would reveal your heart to us. And Lord, that we might glean uh, from your word Whatever it is that we may need. Maybe some are coming here. We need some encouragement. Maybe it's an exhortation. Or, and maybe it's even a, a gentle uh, rebuke or, or discipline that uh, it's something you'd want to share with us. Lord, may we be open to hear what your Spirit wants to say. May we have ears to hear. And so, Father, we pray your leading and your blessing and ask for your Spirit's pre- continued presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may have a seat. Chapter 13, as I previously mentioned, it marks for us a major transition in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. As we've been studying uh, the book of Matthew, we saw that after the Sermon on the Mount, which covered chapters 5, 6, and 7, that uh, Matthew highlighted Jesus' power to perform miracles. And this began back in in chapter 8. Jesus performed many miracles as we've been studying through. uh, Healing people from illness, uh, casting out demons, uh, even bringing back a a 12-year-old daughter uh, back from the dead. Uh, And then we noted 
how these miracles, that they were evidence of the Spirit's power upon Jesus and how the Spirit was testifying of Jesus. And while he performed these many miracles, he also sent out his disciples. And he empowered them to perform the miraculous as well. And they too were sent to testify of Jesus and his coming kingdom. As Jesus and his disciples ministered to the multitudes, they were also questioned by others. You guys may recall that some of the scribes came and started asking some questions. And some of the Pharisees came and started asking questions. And even John the Baptist sent his disciples to come and and to ask questions about the ministry and, and what was going on with Jesus and his own disciples. Jesus, interestingly, we saw how he started to then turn the questions upon them and and started to question the current generation of people. He questioned why, really, why they hadn't responded to either him or to the ministry of John the Baptist. He, He said, why didn't you, you know, John the Baptist came and you didn't listen to him and I've come and you didn't listen to me. And he starts asking questions of them. Okay. He began to speak about people and places that had rejected him and how difficult it would be for them on the day of judgment. And in chapter 12, we saw the the culmination of how all the evidence had been mounted up. It was more than enough, more than enough evidence that demanded a verdict. And that verdict, it really only pointed to one possible outcome, that Jesus Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. And so, these last few chapters, as we're looking at it, all of it testifying of who God is, and, and incredible amounts of evidence. And in chapter 12, the Pharisees, they rejected the evidence. And, a number, and the, some of the people as well. They would not listen to it. And in so doing, they rejected Jesus Christ. And that brings us to chapter 13, where Jesus changes the way that he ministers to the masses. And he begins, as it states in verse 3, to speak to them in parables. The word parable means to cast alongside. Uh, uh, Para means alongside. The bole means to to throw or cast. And so the idea is you're casting alongside something. uh, And the parable would be cast alongside uh, a truth. Something that was used to illustrate something. Okay? Uh, and that's exactly what the parable does. Okay? You cast alongside a truth that it may be a difficult truth to understand. Uh, or it may be something that's hidden. And so the parable is used, it, it's like an illustration. I don't know if you've ever tried to explain something to someone and they're just not getting it. And so you, you try and simplify it a little bit and use more common terms and analogies and, and that type of thing. And, and the parable is very common, uh, type of, uh, very common like that. Okay? Uh, a means to illustrate uh, sorts uh, things that could then plainly be understood. Oh, okay, I get it now. I, I understand what you're saying. Now, use this illustration. It, it makes sense. In simple terms, if we want to think about a parable, uh, I think of it in the, these terms. Think of a parable as an earthly story that conveys a heavenly truth. Okay? An earthly story that everybody would be familiar with and understand that conveys a spiritual truth or a heavenly truth. Parables were used uh, to introduce the unfamiliar through the familiar. You know, things that weren't so easily understood with 
things that were very easily understood. They would use, uh, often parables would involve very simple everyday life situations and use familiar items like bread and water and light and uh, salt, those types of things. And so as as we get into our text, we're going to point out some reasons why. Why did Jesus begin speaking in parables? Why all of a sudden is there a switch to the way he ministers to people. And we're going to point that out later in our study here because the disciples are going to ask. Uh, But I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So speaking of our text, looking here at these opening verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus went out uh, of a house and he sat by the sea. As he sat there, we're told that the uh, great multitudes were gathered together to him. Luke's gospel tells us that these people, they came from all over, from every city in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. So people had come from all over the place to come and see Jesus. This was not just your everyday run-of-the-mill type of multitude. These were great multitudes from all over. A a great amount of people had gathered to Jesus. And, And now, no doubt that within this multitude would be the disciples of Jesus. But there would also be some onlookers. Some people that were just kind of curious. There would be even probably some doubters within the group. And and people looking maybe for a show. People needing a miracle. Even probable, although it doesn't tell us specifically, it's very likely as we've been seeing it, it's very probable that the scribes and Pharisees are within these great multitudes as well as they started to come by and see and witness what Jesus was doing. And so we see this was these great multitudes. It was a mixed group. A mixed group of, well, people from all, you know, that ran the gamut of why they would want to come and see Jesus. And Jesus does something I think that's very practical and ingenious here and to minister to the people. In order to be able to share with such a large multitude, he got into a boat and he went out a little offshore. And he then was able to speak to people and turned his environment into his own little personal amphitheater as the sound waves would bounce off the water and the people would be facing him. I just thought, I just like the... the imagery of that, like to paint that picture. I don't have a point, but I just liked it. I thought, that's so cool. He's so smart. And, you know, uh, it, it just, I can easily see how that would work. And just like, that's so cool. The hillside would be in the background, kind of catch it and it'd reverberate off the back of that and off the water. Psh, didn't need, didn't need this. He was good. All right. So he was able to have his words heard by all these people. And uh, these are the words that he shared with these great multitudes. We're going to read verse 3 through 8 again. He says this, He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But... When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Some Bibles that have section uh, headings, you know, I don't know if your Bible has section headings, uh, a lot of them will identify this as the parable of the sower. 
Okay, uh, I, I think that a more appropriate title would be the parable of the soy, soils, um, but whatever you want to call it, uh, because really the emphasis is upon the soils, the different soils. And so Jesus speaks a parable to the multitude. And remember that a parable would be uh, used, they would use common everyday type situations to convey a spiritual truth. Here Jesus uses the common and very familiar situation of a sower. Uh, presumably a, a farmer of some sorts that's scattering seeds across his fields. And he would take the seed and he would scatter it out. Yeah. And, and the people of that day were very familiar they, with the, an agrarian society. Okay? The people depended upon crops and farms for their livelihood. And, and even if you weren't a farmer you would still understand the basic principles of planting seeds and growing crops, and, and all would be familiar with the details that Jesus is speaking about. And so in his parable, Jesus speaks of a sower that took the same type of seed, and it was the same seed, and he cast it in, in, in all areas of his fields. And the seed, as he tossed it up, it ended up landing in different types of soil. Jesus went on then to detail the four different types of soil, very distinct from one another, that ended with four very distinct different outcomes. The first soil Jesus mentioned was the wayside, or your translation may say uh, that the seed fell along the path. Okay? We're told that the seed, it never really penetrates into the ground, and, and it ends up being eaten by birds. You know, I remember uh, talking about this portion of Scripture with a, a great friend of mine. We were uh, at a men's Bible study, uh, and he was in Texas at one time and was helping a man plant seeds, plant wheat in his fields. And he was, they went out and they cast out uh, seeds, and actually he had like this thing that kind of just spit it all out. And, but he said it was amazing that the birds just came out from everywhere and they just started coming down and trying to eat uh, all the seeds. And he said this portion of Scripture just came to life for him. And so uh, I, I think you, it's an easy illustration. If you see a bunch of seeds going out, you have birds would come in and, and they're going to eat that seed up. Okay. The second type of soil Jesus mentioned was where the seed fell upon the stony places. The seed was, was able to sprout, but because the soil was rocky, okay, it was unable to have deep roots and that went into the ground uh, to draw out the much-needed water and, and nutrients from the ground. And when the sun come out, came out and beat upon the plant, we're told that the plant withered away because it didn't have a strong root system. Okay? It didn't have anywhere to go. And uh, I don't know, I, I like to think and imagine. And so I, you know, have you ever seen a, a plant or perhaps maybe some grass that's grown upon a rock before? Usually you can maybe get your finger underneath it and kind of pull it apart and, and, and move it. And do, you know, maybe even uh, uh, maybe some topsoil runs off onto a sidewalk or something like that and a little grass might grow on it. You can lift it up real easy. Or maybe in like the gutter, you ever seen that? You can lift it up and the whole entire thing will come up. It's pretty amazing and... My boys would think it's cool because worms and all kinds of stuff hanging out from underneath there. But that idea that there's no soil, right? It's just built, you know, growing up on a sidewalk or in a gutter or a very thin uh, layer of dirt there. And, and so it's very easy to pull up the whole entire thing. It has no root system. 
The third type of soil Jesus mentioned was uh, among the thorns. And when it says thorns, it, it doesn't mean just the, the points or, or the pricks that, uh, found on some plants, okay? but it speaks of, of a briar, okay? a, a type of bush or plant life that produces those prickly, pointy uh, objects that most of us don't really like. Uh, and you, know, you get those beautiful roses for your wife, and then we've got to make sure you get the thorns off. But... Um, Unlike the seed cast upon the stony places, this seed was able to send roots down into the deep soil, and it sprang up. Okay? But because of the thorns next to them, because of those bushes, those briars that were there, the plant was choked out. It was, it was suffocated okay, by the overwhelming presence of the thorns. And the fourth and final type of soil Jesus mentioned was the good ground, or the, the good soil. And the seed was able to send roots down deep into the, into the ground, gather the water and nutrients. It was free of thorns, and, and it ended up yielding a crop. And some parts of the field produced more than others, but all produced something. Jesus then says something very important in verse 9. Verse 9, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I believe it's safe to assume that most every one of the people among the great multitudes had ears to hear. But Jesus wasn't referring to physical anatomy here. The phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, it implies with it not just hearing words, but understanding those words and being obedient to those words. And so when he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he's not just saying... You know, can you hear me as my voice ripples off of the water here? He's saying, hear my words, understand them, and obey them. That's what is implied here. Hearing is, is something that is very important in our text this morning. If you do just normal Bible study, some of the things they'll teach you to do in Bible study is you look for repeated words or phrases. And, and usually if something's repeated a whole lot, that means it's an emphasis or there's a focus here. Okay? The word hear or hears or hearing is written 17 times in these 23 verses that we're going to cover this morning. It is a major theme of what Jesus is speaking about. And Jesus wants people to hear His words, to understand them, and to obey them. Not just the the audible ability to hear them, but to understand and obey. We have to recall that, that this parable comes on the heels of what had transpired back in chapter 12. If you guys remember, chapter 12 was where Jesus, though through the testimony of the Holy Spirit in His life, mounted up piles and piles of evidence for the people to look at and, and demanded a verdict. He said, you're either with me or against me. And He desired that people would make a choice to surrender to the will of the Father, to believe the evidence and the testimony of the Spirit. The Scriptures tell us and teach us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10.17 And here we see, we have the Son of God speaking the words of God to these multitudes, desiring that they would hear and comprehend and obey. 
He's just spoken a parable, an, an earthly story that conveys a heavenly truth. And Jesus is challenging this great multitude to understand the heavenly truth that's being portrayed. Luckily for us, Jesus is actually going to break down this parable for us. And he'll explain it to us later on in a couple of verses. So we get the whole picture. Some of the parables. There's one other parable. It's actually in Matthew 13 as well. Where Jesus kind of breaks it down for us. But a lot of the other ones, you just have to figure it out. Uh, but we get the key for this one. And so I'm lucky. Uh, easy to understand. Verse 10 says this. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? I'm so glad that the disciples, they they often didn't get things. You know? And they weren't afraid to come out and and just ask Jesus and say, Jesus, uh, we don't get it. You know, we don't understand. And it's good because then Jesus would explain it to them and we we get to benefit from that as well. You know, sometimes we may be a little shy and not want to say anything. Like, oh, I don't understand, but I'm not going to say any one thing and look like the fool. But the disciples, you know, oftentimes, they, I don't get it. You know, and and here we have, why are you, why are you speaking to them in parables, Jesus? And and so we get to see, uh, we get to benefit from their uh, questions as he gives an answer here. Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus is going to give three reasons. Three reasons why he speaks to the multitudes in parables in these next few verses, verses 11 through 15. I'll read them to you. He says, He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and churn, so that I should heal them. The first and and second reason Jesus spoke in parables is highlighted for us in verses 11 and 12. First off, Jesus spoke in parables in order to reveal to the disciples the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That that word mysteries speaks of of secrets or or hidden truths. Some of your translations even translate uh, that word as secrets. Or if it says mysteries, it might have a little uh, superscript next to it. And if you go to the margin, it'll say secrets or hidden truths. And so that's what these mysteries are. Okay, there's these secrets, these hidden truths. And the parables... Excuse me. Yes. Another thing is that the parables were used to reveal these secrets to not only the disciples, not only the disciples, but also, according to verse 12, to those who have something. Jesus said in verse 12, For whoever has... To him, more will be given. And so it begs the question, has what? 
Whoever has what? I believe it's pointing back to verse 9. Verse 9, where he said to have ears to hear. For whoever has ears to hear, to him more will be given. Jesus spoke in parables to reveal hidden truths or secrets to his disciples and to those who had an ear to hear. Jesus also spoke in parables to whoever does not have, or not have what? Does not have ears to hear. And to them we see the second reason that he spoke in parables. He spoke in parables to conceal the secrets and the hidden things from those that would not have ears to hear. They would not understand and they would not obey. Remember that when we say hear, ears to hear, we're talking about not just hearing it, but understanding it and obeying it. And there were those that would not understand, they would not obey, and so he spoke in parables to conceal this from them. Why would Jesus want to conceal the truth from people? I, some might wonder that or think that. That's not fair of Jesus to conceal things from others. And we might think, you know, that doesn't seem to line up with the heart of the Lord to, to conceal things from people and keep things secret or, or hidden. Okay? But I believe that Jesus concealed the truth to them as an act of mercy. You see, it it wasn't as if Jesus wanted to keep people in the dark, right? It wasn't as if he was trying to, oh, I don't want them to know, okay? We have to to understand the surrounding context here, okay? Jesus has been very open. The Spirit of God has been testifying of him. His miracles are proof of God's kingdom come. He made it very clear who he was. And that the people needed to choose whether they would follow Him and His Word. And some people rejected. Some people were not willing to understand. They were not willing to obey. They were not willing to hear. And so out of an act of mercy, He conceals these truths. For He knows that everybody will have to stand and give account on the day of judgment for the truth that was revealed to them. If you guys remember, if you've been with us studying through the book of Matthew, you may remember how back in chapter 11, Jesus pronounced woes upon the unrepentant cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. These cities, they were going to be held to a higher standard. For all they were privy to, to witness Jesus do within their city. Jesus did so much within them, and he says, you're going to be held more accountable. It's going to be stricter for you because of all that was given to you. Likewise, in chapter 12, Jesus spoke of how the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south would rise up in the judgment and condemn the current generation for their lack of response to Jesus. The scriptures teach us that For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Luke 12, 48. And and so we see that out of an act of mercy towards the unhearing, the unrepentant generation, he conceals these hidden truths from them. 
The third and, and final reason that Jesus gives as to why he spoke in parables is found in verses 14 and 15. Jesus spoke in parables as a means to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, written for us in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And the prophecy of Isaiah spoke of a, a people that were able to hear and see, but they did not understand or perceive because their hearts had grown dull. It came down to their heart. Their, their heart had grown dull. That word dull, it means to be callous or to become hard. They had hard hearts. And, and so even though they could hear, they could not understand. And even though they could see, they could not perceive. Jesus said that if they could see and hear and, and understand, then, then they'd turn to the Lord and the Lord would, would heal them. Jesus was willing to heal them. He was willing to allow them to turn. But the only way it would happen was if they would have allowed their heart to be softened towards Christ and His message. It pointed back to the heart. It was about their heart. And that's what Jesus is going to tell us as He explains the hidden truth of the parable of the soils. It's going to be about hearts. That's what the soil represents. It's, it's hearts. Verse 16, 17, we'll continue. He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus here, He just tells of how, just how blessed the disciples are to see and hear the long-awaited Messiah in person. Many prophets and righteous men desired to see the day of the coming of the Messiah, and they didn't. They foretold of it and spoke of it and longed for that day, only to never see it happen in their time. And so He says, you guys are so blessed. You're so blessed because you get to hear the Word of God. And you're so blessed because I'm right here. You get to see God working. And, and you know what? I believe that we carry that blessing as well. As the Holy Spirit ministers in our lives and is still active today within the church, we get to see God do things. He do great things. We get to see Him minister. We get to see His Word proclaimed and, and uh, see that. I know that I think it would have been just a little bit cooler maybe to, to actually be there and walk around and hear him. But I think we don't want to minimize the blessing that we have today as well. Verse 18, he begins to, to break this down. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. That idea that hear, okay, that understand it, you know, comprehend it, obey it. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Jesus explains the hidden truth. Remember the parable it's used to, to show the hidden truth. He explains the hidden truth of the first soil that he mentioned. The wayside. Jesus identified the seed that the sower scatters. That's the word of the kingdom, yeah, or the word of God. And he identifies the fields that the sower scatters uh, in as our hearts. The fields are our hearts. These soils, they're, they're our hearts. Jesus said that the word is shared, but it isn't understood. 
it's, it's not acted upon or, or obeyed. And, and so it sits there only to be taken up by the wicked one, which we know of the reference to be Satan, the enemy. He comes and, and snatches that away. Recall that the wayside, it's that worn out path, that path that's trodden upon, it's compact, it's hard. Okay? And, and Jesus is saying that when the word of God is shared with a hard heart, it doesn't even stand a chance of survival as the enemy comes by and takes up that word that was shared. Their hard heart prevented themselves from being able to receive and understand the word. Do you know anyone like that? Someone whose heart is just hard toward the Lord. It's just hard toward Jesus. Okay? It's, their heart has, has become dull. It's become callous. It's hard. You know, they've uh, just been resisting. And, and, and someone, really, that they don't even realize that the enemy is coming in and just robbing them by taking away the seed that would be planted in their heart. I think we probably could all think of a few people in our lives that we could say, yeah, they just have a hard heart. They don't want to accept it. They just reject it no matter what. And the enemy is robbing them. The enemy is coming up and snatching that away and not allowing that seed to penetrate the heart. Maybe you're here today and, and you'd say, that's actually me. I've allowed my heart to become dull and callous. It's hard. I've been resisting the Lord for, for so long. And, and the enemy has been robbing me blind. And if that's you, you don't have to continue to resist anymore. God can take a hard heart. And you know what He does? He breaks it. He breaks it and He makes it new. And I've seen him do it before. I've seen him do it in people's lives. People that were just very adamant against the Lord. In fact, people that were very, I knew that were studied up in the Scriptures just so that they could blast Christians that weren't studied up in the Christians. Just hard-hearted people. And I've seen God break a heart and make it new. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're, maybe you're visiting, you're not normally attending with us, and you've got that hard heart, to allow the Lord to, to break it and to make it new. Surrender your life to Christ. Verse 20, he, he tells us the understanding of the next type of soil. He says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Here Jesus explains the, the hidden truth of the second soil that he spoke of, the stony places. Jesus describes for us someone who receives the word with a whole lot of excitement in their heart. They're really excited about this, this newfound word, this word that's been planted in their heart. And they have a whole lot of joy, a whole lot of emotion, yet he doesn't take the time, that person doesn't take the time to build a foundation. There's no root in himself. His heart, I think we could accurately describe it as shallow. It's a, that second heart, it's a shallow heart. It's not a hard heart. It received it, but it's just shallow. A shallow heart lacks depth. They make an emotional decision that didn't have any base to build upon. 
The, the person with this kind of heart takes off all excited, but, but does not endure. For at the first sight of any difficulty or, or hardship, they just wither away. I've known people like that before as well. They come to church or, or to a special concert or event and, and they make an emotional decision to follow Christ. They just kind of get caught up in the moment and, yes, that's, I'm going to do this. And, and they even start off really good. You just think, man, they're just going to take off and you get excited about them. But then, then all of a sudden something happens. Something happens in life. An illness or a death in the family. Um, you know, it could be... Uh, a number of different things, difficulties at work, maybe persecution from old friends, and, oh, you're a Christian now? And, and they get ridiculed and mocked because of the word that they've received. And, and, and what ends up happening is they stumble. Okay? And they begin to doubt, and, and they begin to wonder you know, why things just aren't exciting anymore. And Man, it was so great, I thought, but now it's, it's just not what I thought it would, would be. You know? Oftentimes, those type of people, they, they turn away from God. And, and I, I, I really dislike this phrase. But I've talked to people and they say, Yeah, I tried that God thing. You know, and it didn't work, didn't work for me. That's this emotional person. That's this person who, you know, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah, and, but then tough times come. And they, they fall away. And, and then they think, I guess that God thing's not for me. Because it didn't work. Because they, they came thinking that, that the, the gospel was this emotional high that was going to make everything great in life. And, and it's not that. Okay? And, and so we see they, they, the word, it never went deep into their hearts. It never grew any roots. You, you see, that this type of person falters and stumbles because they never took the time to build a foundation, to, to let their roots go down deep. They had a shallow heart. Verse 22 describes our third type of soil, our third type of heart. It says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Here Jesus describes the secrets of the third soil, the thorns. He, he said, the person who receives seed among the thorns is someone that, that hears the word, but is choked out by, by too many outside influences. And we would say that his heart, it's, it's a crowded heart. It's, it's too crowded. The cares of this world, it, it pictures someone who's, who you know, hears the word and, and allows it to grow, and, and they're going along with their walk in the Lord, but then all of a sudden, priorities start to change. And, and, and things of this world become increasingly and, and increasingly more important to them than the things regarding the world to come. God's heavenly kingdom. The things of this world are, are more important than that. The deceitfulness of riches, it's, it's aptly identified as the lies of riches. Riches lie. Riches tell you that they'll make you happy. That things and possessions are, are important to, to live a successful and joyful life. You've got to have stuff. You've got to have material things. And what ends up happening to a person that has this type of mentality on life is that their possessions possess them. 
They become enslaved to gathering possessions. They got to work overtime. They got to work, you know, a second job. Or maybe as a family, you think we need a second income because we need to have a nice house and we got to have a nice car and we got to have this and we got to have that. And, and we allow the search for possessions and the deceitfulness of riches to lie to us, telling us that we're going to find satisfaction and happiness in, in things, in riches. The person with the crowded heart, they've fallen prey to the lies of riches. Riches cannot satisfy. I think it's proof and evidence of that. You can just go on you know, uh, the internet or turn on the news and you hear about all these celebrities doing all kinds of crazy things because they got the money, but they're not happy. They're not satisfied. They've got to keep on looking for something else. Because there's no satisfaction. Even though they have more money than what you and I could probably ever think of, of having or spending. They fall and pray to that lie. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy completely and fill our lives with joy unspeakable. Verse 23 it wraps up. He says this, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Here we have our fourth and final soil revealed to us, the good soil. And it's really simple. Jesus said this person was someone who heard the word, he understood it, he obeyed it, and their life was marked by fruitfulness. I want to point out something. The emphasis here is not upon how much fruit. You realize that? Just that it was fruitful. Because he says, well, some were a hundredfold, and some were sixty, and, and some were thirty, and it wasn't necessarily you know, that that was important. It was just that they were fruitful. And so we see that that good soil is a life that's marked. A man that takes in the word, understands it, hears it, understands it, obeys it, and his life is marked with fruitfulness. We identify that heart as the fruitful heart. And so we see our four hearts here. And as we look over these different types of hearts, the hard heart, the shallow heart, the crowded heart, and the fruitful heart, I do believe that every heart in this world is one of those four hearts. And and I believe that there within that great multitudes of people that were before Jesus, every person there had one of those four hearts. And, And I believe today that in this church, that every one of us has one of these four hearts. Now, I don't know if all four hearts are represented here today, but I do know this, that we all have one of these four hearts. My hope is that all of us would be able to identify our hearts as fruitful hearts. You know, at the same time, 
we, we would want to be fruitful hearts. We would take inventory in our life. We'd say, yeah, I have a, I'm a fruitful heart. You know, that's where I'm at. I've, I've accepted the Lord into my life. The Lord's doing things in my life. And, and at the same time, I do think that we need to be careful that we don't allow characteristics of these other hearts to pop up in our life. And I think that... You know, we can have a fruitful heart, but still show signs of characteristics of some of these other hearts. And so we need to take inventory in life. And do a little heart check from time to time. And today's a great day to do so. You know, today we're going to participate in communion. It's a time to ask God to search our hearts. It's a time to remember what Christ has done for us. And as you take inventory of your heart... I. I want you to consider if any of these characteristics are evident in your heart. Have you allowed your heart to get dull or callous? Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you've heard so many Bible sermons and and preachers talk that you've gotten to the point where you've allowed your heart to get a little hard. You know, uh, it, it takes something really special and, and something really powerful to penetrate your heart. And we be careful. Now be careful. Don't don't allow your heart to be hardened. Remember that that the hardened heart it allows the enemy to come in and rob you of the blessing of his that his word brings. Don't let that sneak up in your life. You come to the Lord and you're walking with the Lord. You're fruitful, but sometimes we get just complacent and harden ourselves a little bit. And we allow the enemy to rob us of the blessing of God's Word affecting our lives. Have you allowed your heart to become maybe a bit shallow? Your roots just don't seem to go as deep as they once did. You feel like your walk with the Lord is is predicated upon your feelings and, and happenings in your life. Don't allow yourself to let your emotions create in you a shallow heart. What about crowded? Have you allowed your heart to get crowded? You know, one thing I didn't point out regarding the crowded heart back in verse 22, it states that after it gets choked out, it becomes unfruitful. And some suggest that perhaps this indicates that it was fruitful at one time. But the the cares of the world and, and the deceitfulness of riches have choked it out and made it become unfruitful. Have you allowed your heart to get crowded with things of this world? And it's starting to affect your fruitfulness in the Lord? Was, there, was the Lord producing all sorts of fruit in your life at one time, but now? Now it just seems like you, you've got less and less time for the Lord because of all the other things that are going on in life. We need to guard our hearts against that. We need to not allow our hearts to get too crowded. We need to guard our hearts really against all these characteristics. Even if we're being fruitful, I think these characteristics can pop up from time to time. And we need to guard our hearts against them. The hard heart and the shallow heart and the crowded heart. And and I want to encourage you uh, just to do a little heart searching this morning as we partake of communion. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And they're going to lead us in a song. And the ushers would like to invite them to uh, gather the elements for communion. And here's how we're going to do things uh, this morning with communion. Uh, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. The, the ushers, they're going to come. They'll distribute the bread.
they'll distribute the cup. And I want you guys to hold on to the portions. Okay? And uh, the worship team is going to lead us in the time of worship. During that time of worship, if you want to worship the Lord, great. If you just want to spend some time in prayer and, and doing a little heart check and, and saying, Okay, God, search my heart, God. Search my heart. Have I allowed it? these characteristics to pop up and, and allow the, the Lord to speak to you? And then I'll come back up and, and we'll partake together as a body. And we'll just uh, uh, conclude our service after that, okay? All right. So if the ushers would come and uh, pass out the elements, and then Nick's going to lead us in a, uh, another song.